I think of things hoped for, but the evidence of things unseen. And so sometimes the only thing that you have to go on is your faith. So, you know, that faith in yourself, faith in a higher power, faith in somebody else. You know, it's, but it's not the thing yet because it's simply not there. And so I like to give that as a gift to people. When I started doing that for myself, that became the evidence. That I was saying it was the evidence. Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayada Zaidi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Dr. Nicole Bossard is founder of TGC Consulting, aka TGC Positivity. She is a purpose-driven, results-oriented facilitator, helping organizations turn their internal stakeholders into champions and customers into goodwill ambassadors. Nicole has a PhD in leadership and change from Antioch University. She's been working for over 20 years helping social and human services make the shift from compliance-driven practice to real impact for individuals, families, employers, and communities in urban, suburban, and rural areas, and tribal nations all across the United States. Dr. Nicole's unique combination of skill and practice means she's perfectly placed to understand the pressures to perform and deliver results in a context of systems. So today, we are hugely, hugely blessed to be joined by Dr. Nicole Bossard. I'm, I, I really do not know, actually, how to um, introduce Dr. Nicole other than to say that any room that she in is in, she lights it up. And so I think we're in for a real gift today. Um, I met Dr. Nicole um, via the exchange community and um, we'll include links to that in the show notes as well. And what I love about uh, Dr. Nicole is her energy, her commitment, her desire, her passion for the work and most of all, her attitude to life. So Dr. Nicole, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Soon to be Dr. Z. It is truly my pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. It's. I think the gift is going to be for us. You do know that, right? <laughs> we are going to do it. We're going to do it. So I would love to begin by your sharing your purpose statement with us. And I know this is a slightly different way of beginning the podcast if you're a regular listener. But um Dr. Nicole's purpose statement is just off the charts. So please share it with us. Absolutely. And I just want to set a precursor here. So uh, whoever's listening, no matter what your grounding or faith system is, I just kind of want you to substitute um, that higher understanding or higher power as as you define and understand that essence. So here's my purpose. My purpose in life is to praise and love God with all my heart, mind, body, and spirit by being a living demonstration 
of the infinite love, inspiration, faith, abundance, vitality, and joy constantly flowing to and through every circumstance, every moment, and every one of us. Honestly, every time I hear you say that, I'm always speechless. And um, we were speaking about this in the last conversation that we had. And what was fascinating about that is, is the discussion that we were then having about, so how do you see your purpose statement regularly? And for example, for me, if you're watching this on video, not quite my purpose statement, but something that I like to live by is right behind me. You know, intellectual integrity requires putting your ideas into action. I kind of had that as a as an idea, and I looked at it for a year before I did anything with it. But as soon as I moved it into my kind of peripheral vision and I could look at it every single day, things just started to happen um, subconsciously. I don't really know how to unpack that thing just yet. But what I do know is that consistent reminder was very, very powerful for me. Absolutely. And where this lives for me is I really have a passion for bringing multiple voices and people and experiences together. And so you ask, well, how does this, how does this show up? Sayida, is that the, is that enough of, is that close enough to the question or can you give it to me again? No, I think how does it show up? How do you remind yourself of it? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me answer it in, in uh, reverse. How to remind myself, you know, you were instrumental. I had it posted up in my office where um, I'm spending quite a bit of time now, but it really wasn't in my view. And in a discussion with you, I was looking at the sign that you have over your shoulder and I was like, oh, wow, that's wonderful. And you said, well, wait, where's your purpose statement? And I read it to you and you said, you know what, how about this? Why don't you put that where you can actually see it every day? So for those of you that have a purpose statement, I want to sidebar real quick just here. Those words are intended to be beacons. Words are living things. They are dynamic. So when we create them, i.e. speak them, that sets something in motion. That sets the energy in motion. But here's the rub. I had set the energy in motion, but I wasn't activating it every day because it wasn't somewhere where I could actually speak it every day, where I could jump into it every day like a, like a, just like a perfect temperature shower or pool. That's what that purpose statement is for me. And every time I speak those words, uh, particularly the ones that stand out for me, are love, excuse me, love, inspiration, faith, abundance, vitality, and joy constantly flowing to and through every moment, every circumstance, and every one of us. Just for me to be reminded, ho, 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 I might feel temporarily overwhelmed, but what's all around me is this bounty. And having that statement up just reminds me to be in that, um, to be in that flow by putting myself in a, in a space of curiosity and inquiry. And so how it shows up, Saida, physically, I'm looking at it every day, but how it shows up is that I'm constantly looking to and I'm going into my conversations with people or I'm, 
like you, Dr. Said, I facilitate a lot of online meetings, events, all kinds of connections with people and opportunities to connect people to each other and, and purpose. And so then I'm always looking for and creating spaces for, wait a minute, where's the inspiration? Where's the joy? Where's the vitality? And if I don't see it, I have an opportunity to source it. I love that. And th there are so many things to pick it, pick up through this. Um, one thing I will say is just the idea that we breathe life into words is just so powerful because I'm really fascinated about language and words and how we use them and the different meanings that we bring into all of that. And really what you've done just by saying that is that actually the letters come together to form the words. I'm going to kind of go geek out a little bit. <laughs> please, please. But, so they, they, they come together, they form words, and then like we print them on bits of paper like this. So if you're, I'm in my hand, I'm just holding a whole bunch of words that hopefully are going to go in my thesis in one way, shape or form. But the construction of those sentences and paragraphs and how we even put tonality in them is the breathing of the life into that. And until that moment, it's really just a bunch of letters. That's right. That's exactly right. And with, for me, I think there is, there is such a crucial, so much of my work, let me, let me start that again, has been lately, like so many of us, around resilience. We have become disciples of resilience because we have to, right? Mm -hmm. We must what's going on around us, and in some cases, what's going on within us, what's going on in our homes. We're constantly kind of dropping to the bottom of the pool and having to having to jump and leap ourselves back above water, sometimes multiple times a day. And this idea of, I started on this quest of what are all the tools that no matter how much money you have, no matter where you live, no matter if there's war outside your window, or frankly, if there's war inside your own home, what are the tools that you have at your disposal that, are, that all of us, we have in our hands? And what you said is so important. We have the breath and we have the word. And with those two things, being able to, to marshal that power and those resources in any moment, not just the moments of crisis, but also the moment of triumph, right? Not just in the moment of sadness, but oh my goodness, what about when we can do it in the moment where we can lift some, someone so high so that they see just the beauty of who they really are? So we can summon those powers, the power of the breath and the power of the word in any circumstance. Because remember, that's what this purpose statement says. There is something divine that is active and moving in every circumstance, in every moment, and in every one of us. And by bringing that power of the breath and the power of the word to the moment, that means I have access to something that's beyond the circumstance that may be pressing in on me. Mm. And as you were speaking before, the question that I wanted to put in so when you have these letters on the page, what's the organizing principle that helps us to pull the letters in the right order to create the words that, that really bring the power? And so that's what I want to ask you. What's the organizing principle for you 
Dr. Z, as you do your work and you do the miracles that only your hands can create, what would you say is the organizing principle? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I'm still trying to work out the answer to that. Um, and and maybe I can buy some time by, <laughs> by just saying one thing, right? So um, one of the, the greatest gifts that you've given to me, Dr. Mm. Nicole, is when you started to say soon to be Dr. Sayeda, right? And I just want to kind of point that out because I, at the time of this recording, I haven't completed my thesis, so I don't have my doctorate just yet. And the way that you expressed that when you started to say soon to be Dr. Sayeda, it just kind of, it completely shifted my whole attitude towards that. And, and for me, it was a visceral shift to think, you know, I can actually be Dr. Sayeda. And until I kind of embrace that, I think that there was some resistance to me writing my thesis. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a story behind why you did that with me. And I would just love it if you can share that. And then I'll try and come back and answer the question. <laughs> Actually, there is. When I was completing my doctorate, and I was I was close. I had done all my coursework. Um, I had even ordered my gowns, my, my excuse me, my robe. I I I'd ordered everything, and but I was at this point where I just it was a struggle, you know. And whether it's a dissertation or you know, I don't know, you're rebuilding a house. I don't know. You know, there's a point where you get with something big. And you've really poured yourself into it, and you get to this point where you're kind of spent. And I started, I took my my um, robe, and I'd ordered the, the uh, tassel to the cap that, that you wear when you get your, when you do your walk. And I just started talking about myself like Dr. Bossard. You know, I just started, I began to call the thing that was not yet Mm. as though it was now. And just for those of you that might be picking it up, yes, I am the daughter of a minister, (laughs) of an evangelist specifically in the Christian tradition, an African-American tradition, um, a Christian tradition. And um, that's a you know that's out of the sacred text in the in the Bible. You know, it's it's faith is the uh, uh, oh goodness now I'm gonna forget it. It's the the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things unseen. And so sometimes the only thing that you have to go on is your faith. So you know that faith in yourself, faith in a higher power, faith in somebody else. You know, it's but it's not the thing yet because it's simply not there. And so. I like to give that as a gift to people. When I started doing that for myself, that became the evidence that I was saying it was the evidence, that I said it was the evidence. And so I give that, I just, I know that journey of being on that dissertation kind of trail, and there is a point where you kind of have to borrow somebody else's faith. You have to borrow somebody else's vitality. You have to borrow somebody else's energy to, to go those last few few steps. And so that's where that came from because I really do believe words have a creative, generative power within them. Mm. And they can be the bolster, they can be the buffer, they can be the, 
the thing that, you know, that really re-inspires or revitalizes people. Mm, that's really, really powerful because I think um, y- you do so much in that articulation in that you're kind of set, you're saying you can see the journey. I think that's the really powerful thing in this. And because someone external can see the journey and know that it will happen, mm-hmm. it gives you faith and it gives you confidence because my doctorate journey has been, you know, several years because I've taken a couple of sabbaticals, one for the pandemic, one mm-hmm. for various other reasons. And that's just life. But you do come to a point where you think, is it really worth it? And I, and what I'm realizing now is that the closer that I get to completing my thesis, the harder it is. You'd think it'd be easier, but it so isn't. Um, and so when someone else has confidence in you, mm-hmm. in doing something that you have never done before, and I, and I say, I've written thesis before, but they've been 10, 15,000 words. I mean, this thing is like a proper book. I mean, it's yes. outrageous. Yes. <laughs> I can imagine, Dr. Z, knowing you, yes. <laughs> and and so I, I, in, in, in what I'm about to say, I will then answer the question that you originally asked me in terms of how I put my words together. Because for me, even when I wrote the book, Results of the Arts and Science of Getting It Done, I had this kind of thing in my imagination that I was going to write about 60,000 words and it was going to have this form of a structure. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote the first draft, I think I ended up with 80,000 words and it was a complete mess. But it meant that from those pieces, I could I could form a jigsaw and then each piece would kind of fit in the right place. And so that is my style of writing. I like to be quite eclectic in my reading. I like to um, kind of go off on tangents to really understand before I come back, because sometimes um, the clue is in the tangent, you know. And right. if you don't go there, you're ignoring it. I know for me something, and I and I write this in my thesis, and I'm not going to unpack it in detail now, but. Um, I I sent somebody an email. They sent me two lines in response. And I just thought, hmm, I wonder why that happened. And that completely shifted the trajectory of my thesis. Two lines. I love it. it. And there's something in there that I just want to say that is a gift to me. Being sensitive enough to pick up hmm, something interesting here and being humble enough to follow and not force lead your original idea, if that languaging makes sense. Right? I'm gonna force lead, I'm gonna push it through. This is how I was gonna do it, and by God, I'm gonna keep pushing in that direction no matter what my gut is telling me or my that just that feeling I get sometimes when mm, I know there's something else for me to, to uncover here. I really appreciate that you, A, were sensitive enough to notice, and B, that you were humble enough to follow. Mm, Thank you. And I think, you know, what you've just said is something that I really appreciate about you because Mm. um, you're using the word humble, I would say curious, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and I know that sometimes it has cost me an enormous amount of time. And so my original plan of having a couple of months to spare so I could make my thesis look pretty, it's all gone out the window. Like right now I'm thinking, I know the exact minute the thing is due. And as long as it's in a few minutes before, I'm good. (laughs) 
but that does allow you that space to experiment. Yes. You know, yes. and I think that I see that in the work that you do. Mm. And so when you come into a room, there is, and I'm talking about Zoom rooms because we have not met in person just That's yet. Right. That's right. But when you come into a space, you you have this kind of ability to, to read the room and to play naturally and just to kind of, this is going to sound wrong, but it's it's actually a really good thing, but mm. just to mess around with people's thoughts a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. through that comes so much rich learning. Yes, absolutely. I would say um, to that, A, thank you. And B, I would say that is, I actually want to say two things about that. For me, that is an, um, a natural gift, being able to play, being able to kind of get, it really does feel like being a kid on the playground or at the beach. And there's nothing like watching children who have never seen each other before and within 30 seconds they're building the sand fort together and they're they're talking like they've you know like they were born together or something like they've known each other their whole lives and being able to establish that kind of communion is something that is i, I won't say it's it's i'm skilled at it but it's something that i'm always seeking so i'm always seeking those moments even when they're micro moments of connection so to come into a room and to engage people, I have a running joke with the folks that I that I work with and folks that I worship with. And, you know, it's kind of my philosophy is y'all come, you know, y'all come. And as I said, I, I grew up the, the daughter of an evangelist. And so there was a thing that we called tent meetings. So where they would go to a big park, establish a tent and whoever was going by, there was food, there was, you know, preaching and worship and all of that music but it was y'all come and that really made an impression on how I engage the world. So when I step into a room, I'm always, y'all come on, come on, we're doing this, come on, let's, you know, who are you? And, and so, so that's a piece of where that come from, comes from. But the second piece that I wanna share about that is for your listeners, just be thoughtful about what is that thing inside of you that helps you create these either micro moments or these big moments of real authentic connection. Mine happens to be kind of gregarious and (laughs) a little bit loud and humorous, even in virtual space and a lot of fun. Yours might be something totally different, but I just want to encourage you, take the time to identify what is that way that you connect heart to heart, soul to soul. Mm. And and what is really significant for me in, in what you've said is it's not about you, right? I always used to think I'm introverted, I'm this, I'm that, you know, and you I could make a million different excuses for why it was hard for me to engage with people at a really, really deep level until I'd got to know them. Right. Mm. And then they get to know the Sayyidah that's really silly and fun and all of those other things. And I realized, especially, I think, as a result of the pandemic, actually what that does is it just creates barriers. Mm-hmm. And rather than do that, I knew in order to have um, the conversations that I wanted to have and to make f- people feel comfortable and safe, I 
had to learn a new way of doing things. And sometimes I'll be honest, it's still hard because it's kind of like, I found that when I'm more bubbly, it's easier for people to engage. Mm -hmm. What that means is that I no longer have kind of meeting after meeting after meeting. Even if I've got two or three meetings in a day, I will spread them out in the day so that I can be completely present in the one that is right in front of me. Because doing that thing back to back is just, it's, I just find it exhausting for other people. It's the thing that makes them feel alive. Mm. It does Mm -hmm. consistently. I just need a break and a rest. And I suppose what we're both saying here is find your own way. Yes. Find and honor. You know, we both have done a fair amount of, of work in the personal development space. And it's, um, there are a couple of kind of banners that fly in those spaces. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't particularly care for this term. Um, so I won't say it, but you know, kind of being this big, bad, you know, beast mode, always going for it. I'm a, you know, whatever. And, you know, so unstoppable and, and I think all of those, being unstoppable, being, you know, beast mode, being able to, you know, do amazing things, I think all of that's right on and cool. But there's something, there's a subtlety to what you're saying that I think is, that what we're saying really, that's very, very important and gets kind of, it gets muffled mm. in the big loud roars that sometimes go on in the personal development space. Um about just keep running, keep at it, go at it, no matter what, don't stop, you know, like this. And what that is, what's hidden in what you're saying to me, is there is something that is so powerful on not just knowing that thing that is you, but really honoring it. Not trying to trade it off for something else or somebody else's thing. I'm 50, I'll be 51 this year, and I've spent a fair amount of my adulthood trying to exchange out the things that, that the creator gave to me for a specific reason, for a specific time, and for a specific purpose. And I got the mix of what I have that makes up me, and I spent a whole bunch of time thinking I had to be somebody else. No, that humor is not useful. No, your you know your willingness to kind of sit down and take your time with people that's not valued. You gotta you gotta move quickly. You gotta, you know. So there is a the thing that I just want to say about Sierra, what you just put on the table is not just seeing what that piece of you is that really is just you, but really honoring and appreciating and valuing it you know, really putting that attention and intention on exploring, bringing what you said, uh, curiosity to what are you here to teach me today? What work are you here to do today? What healing work are you here to bring and deliver or to minister today? Uh, what, you know, what is it that you want me to bring in for me today? Whatever those questions are, but to see it and then to honor it. You know, don't, um, the lesson of, of, of certainly my adulthood is, don't be so quick to throw away your treasures because you think they're trash. Mm. You haven't Ooh. yet discovered their value. Yeah. Don't be so quick to throw away your treasures because you think they're trash because you haven't yet discovered the value. Mm. I, I, 
love the way that you've articulated that because the thing for me is that like I'm going to be 50 next year and I'm sitting here thinking why has it taken me almost 50 years to learn the lesson that you've just shared and and it's kind of like I've been trying it's not that I've been trying to do or be somebody else but I've trying to emulate someone else or oh so this is the only way to do that and, and it's it's fascinating because even with the podcast I, I had an idea to have one five years ago, did very little with it. And finally, something, some, I think God kind of sprinkled some magic dust around <laughs> in July and it's becoming a reality. Yes. And what's amazing, Thank though, is and, and, you know, it's a real gift for me because I think this is the thing that has kept me sane mm. through the period that I've been really getting my head down on my thesis. Mm. So as I've been recording these conversations, I'm like, work. oh, yeah, I've got and it's like my break. So this is my um, this is the biggest gift that I've actually gained in that I can really get my head down, do some solid work and know that there's kind of like a little party coming for me <laughs> mine. And it just it does give you a bit of focus. Anyway, that that was a bit of a, a diversion. But the but the thing is, is that we spend a lot of our time trying to do what other people have taught us in the way that they have done it, rather than kind of like step back and think, okay, so this is their way. What could be ours? Yes. And so even with the podcast, I kind of originally had this idea. I was going to watch all of these courses and and follow them to a T so that I could make it as, as useful and as successful as it. And then I realized, you know, the thing is, if I follow what they're doing, I'm not going to do what my heart is telling me. And my heart is saying, have longer, deeper conversations, have some form of a structure, but yes. do it your own way. Mm. You know? mm. And right now, I don't know if the thing's going to be a car crash or whether it's going to go really well. But you know, the important thing is, Mm. That in every single conversation, there's a huge amount of learning and richness and depth if you're willing to pay attention and listen. Yes. And actually, we, as in you and I, mm -hmm. are having a huge amount of fun doing it. And That's hopefully exactly when people right. listen in, they will get whatever it is that they need from each conversation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And there is, I just, I learned so much from you and and I love spending time with you. You are one of the most um what's the word? Uh you can do anything. <laughs> when you say you're going to do something and it's like sometimes it can be a matter of days, sometimes it's you know over a long period of time like your thesis, but when you say you're going to do it, I've just it's it is like magic to me. It's like it's going to happen. And what I love about what you said related to the podcast is all of that learning to me comes out of your commitment to serve. And so it's not for not, but I love that you, so now you have this expansive, you have this expansive resource kit to pull from, meaning your heart now can go in and say, okay, great. This, not that. Yes. This will be useful. Mm, that's going to be a distraction. That's somebody else's gift, not mine. I don't need to touch that. This is what we're going to use. Like you said, the, we were talking earlier about the letters and the words, and you use them to create something. You have all of these experiences now um, and knowledge to say, okay, this is how I'm going to create what, what really my heart wants to share um, with the world. So 
for all of us sitting out here who've, who may be feeling like, oh my gosh, I've invested five years, three years, 10 years in learning something, and now I'm really thinking, oh my God, maybe, maybe I actually want to do something else, or I don't really want to do it that way, don't worry about it. Let your heart, let your heart guide and start picking. Let your heart kind of go crazy in the warehouse and pick what it needs from all that wonderful experience and knowledge that you just gave it to work with. You know, just this is such a significant gem in my life right now. And so if, if for the listeners, if they didn't really kind of pay attention to what you've just said, rewind and kind mm-hmm. of play it again. <laughs> because yesterday I had to, in fact, for the last few few months, I've been looking for my degree certificates and I, and I couldn't find them. I knew they were somewhere in the house anyway. Thank the Lord I managed to find them yesterday. And as I'm opening them up and I'm looking at, you know, I've said this quite openly. I have more degrees than one human being should. And I think that was as a result of me leaning into my imposter syndrome. And it is what it is. So I'm looking at my architecture kind of degree certificates and all of my memberships and things like that, that I had, and then my project management qualifications. And, and, and honestly, even I say it as out loud, you feel, I feel really quite emotional just Mm -hmm. thinking, was that a waste of time? I put in mm. so much effort and I don't really use these skills anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And and it's tough, you know, because I think this piece of paper, my architecture degree, that paper yes. must have cost the equivalent of about sixty or seventy thousand pounds. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. And that's like education is so expensive. And so here we are going through all of these things and not using them anymore. And you know what you said is like, sometimes life is just like that. That's right. And it's allowing that and not feeling guilty and just saying, well, things happen. And then in that second thinking, okay, so what is it that I really want to do and what's next? Because if you, if I know for me, when I kind of leaned into that, well what a shame and all of this I could have stayed there and I could have just turned into a complete mess yes or absolutely. I could say well there's a huge amount of lessons in that and I am where I am now and actually I'm doing some quite interesting stuff that's you know listen okay let me just, let me just lay this out for your your listeners too I'm a Libra so that means naturally right I, a little of this, a little of that, I'm here, I'm there. I'm, but this is what I'm going to tell you, something that saved my life. I was in my 20s. I was just, I was in my first job. I call it my, my first job of consequence or my first job of purpose, where I was really clear what I was doing was aligned with this, that purpose, even though I hadn't articulated that purpose statement like I did today way back then. But I was doing a leadership development workshop and I had an opportunity to coach executives. We developed a plan, and I had, you know, give them some one-on-one coaching based on some presentation work I'd done. At any rate, one woman, she says, um, this was so powerful. It was so on target, Nicole. I want to give you something. And I said, okay, great. She says, I want to read your palm. And I was like, uh, okay, great. And she looks, and she does like the, hmm, like it was just like a, it was just like a comedy bit, right? Mm, interesting, mm. you know. And so I'm kind of anxiety is inching up, like, oh my god, am I getting ready to walk out and get hit by a bus? Like, what's what's going on here? And she says, you know, you, you have a very interesting 
I can't remember the technical term, but basically trajectory. Around your 50s, everything is going to click into place for you. But until then, you're going to be a traveler. You're going to learn here. You're going to go there. It won't seem connected at the time. And I'll never forget this. She says, your job is to go in heart open, mind open, and learn as much as you can wherever you land. So for your listeners, if that's been your journey, or if you feel like you're on that kind of aimless, you're wandering in the forest kind of journey, please write this down. Learn as much as you can wherever you land. And when your moment comes where it's all going to click into place, please have faith that what you need from that experience will become readily apparent to you and you will be able to take that with mastery in your hands and build the thing that you think is going to serve or that you feel in your heart and gut, frankly, will serve in that moment. Mm -hmm. So all the places that you've been soon to be, Dr. Z, those have some building blocks in there that, are, that have set you in a place so that at that next place, at, at your next launching pad, you're going to be able to go higher, farther, faster, stronger because of the architecture degree, because of the project management skills. And I don't know, without all of that deep end work, would we have gotten results? We are in science of getting things done. I mean, yeah. No, one hundred percent. It wouldn't have happened because because this is the thing. I read something so recently, and I and I can't find it again. But essentially, it's saying like whatever you do at undergrad, there there is kind of like a structure that then gets provided to the way that you learn. Yes, and even I mean I I don't use my architectural kind of skills anymore. Uh, yes, I look at buildings like there's construction work left, right, front and back at the moment because post-pandemic, everyone wants to extend their house for some right. reason. <laughs> and so I can look at it and I can think, oh, actually, I even got to the point where I had to buy his noise cancelling headphones because I could hear some of the things. I was thinking, are they cutting wood or is it plastic? And I thought, OK, this is the time where you just need noise cancelling headphones. <laughs> so the, it's it's all there somewhere. Yes, but it's how do you use that skill set to also enable you to move on and not get caught up in it? Because yes. I think otherwise there is some energy where you're just thinking, I, I spent a lot of my time doing something. And I really do fundamentally agree with you in saying that had I not done the architecture and the project management and the positive psychology and all of those other things, I wouldn't have produced the results book. Mm -hmm. And here's the really amazing penny that's starting to land with me now yes. had I not risen, written the results book I wouldn't have the confidence to to go on those bits of curiosity like I was saying earlier someone sends me two lines and I'm like hmm, what does it mean completely yes. shifts my thesis yes. and I can do it because I know I can write a book in a month that's exactly right that's ex I mean <sighs> Saida, Saida, Saida. That, that is the kind of, what I love about what you just said, it's not about the content, it's that you went through the process was the gift. So sometimes when we're heading into or when we've gone on these adventures, 
we really don't know what the treasure is until there's a moment where we can kind of access it, plug into it, and act, and it helps us do something. It creates something. And so it may not be the content. It might be just that you went through the process. That's what I hope your listeners can pick up so that I want to come back to that question that we asked, that we kind of started talking about earlier, what's the organizing principle? See, I think there's an organizing principle that says, how do I take something that looks like a loss and how do I have it be something that then contributes to my continued progress, that actually adds some oomph and momentum to what it is that I'm doing now and not, as you said, not have me kind of sink in place. Mm. And for me, as I'm listening to you, though, that organizing principle for myself is, and you and I have talked about this, I really believe that I'm here to fulfill a purpose. And because I'm here to fulfill a purpose, I can use anything and everything. I really believe that I'm here to assist people in having a moment, a close encounter with the infinite divine potential within them. So whatever I've been through, even the losses, even some of the things that are, I'm kind of percolating, the thing that kept me up last night, mm. even that, okay, what is it here? What can be used to facilitate greater growth? What can be used to facilitate authentic connection? What can be used here that can nurture real healing and progress in communities where there's been so much violation and disconnection? What can be used in my failing that can actually assist something bigger and something greater? So that, to me, it does really come back to a sense of, um, of faith, but in faith, like there's something bigger going on here. That's what I mean by faith. Mm -hmm. So for you, what, what is it that, what, what was the thing that helped you say, okay, I've been all over the map. I have more degrees than most humans really <laughs> require. Um, or however you would say it, Saida. What's the thing that did help you make that shift? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, when it comes to, I think there's been two quite significant ones for me mm -hmm. in the last year and a bit. Mm. One was the, the kind of, I, I've never articulated it like this, but I think I did feel a sense of panic when the pandemic came. Mm -hmm. And it was just thinking, okay, I have a lot of responsibility, you know, and I take my responsibility really, really seriously. Mm -hmm. you know? um, uh, I'm the oldest child, um, my mom, my siblings, and, and I know, you know, I'm not, I'm not this is going to sound really silly because they're all adults and they're all responsible for themselves. But still, I still feel a sense of something. My own kids and my husband we're all responsible for each other, right? We're all yeah. kind of, um, we'll all look after each other. But for me, it's kind of like, I want to make sure that the orchestra is playing the most amazing music, you know? And so I didn't know how to do that when the pandemic came. And so I'm sitting there just trying to work out, well, what can I do? And, and I think the thing that helped me unlock some of that was this thing that the project management skills gave me the the structure and the positive psychology gave me the mindset and the bringing of those two together was enabling me to find yes. my own way forward and yes. 
if I could do that, then I could help others to do it, which is why I wrote that book. Because I, I think um, that in many ways, project management and psychology are the two wheels of a bike. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And we, I, you know, I, I mean, everyone should read the book. Let's just say that. But, yes. but very, very briefly, um, I think we're all born project managers. We just don't think of ourselves like that because we've all organized something. And we we know the significance of our mindset, because if you believe something, just like you were saying, like for me, if I'm really determined, like nothing's going to get in my way. You know, <laughs> it's 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 funny because I found a reference from my um, one of my teachers when I was 16 and I was reading it. And I was like, man, I want to meet that girl because she's feisty. <laughs> you know? And but the thing is, is that 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 determination is is that you've got to kind of channel it in the right ways and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. More recently, particularly when it comes to the Centre for Belonging and Understanding, it was the realisation that the pandemic and everything that then came out as a result of the murder of George Floyd and the higher kind of vibration of the conversation regarding the issues of Black Lives Matter and all of a sudden, I think attention and energy was being paid in a different way. And so mm-hmm. in some spaces that I'm in, the conversation is taking place about psychological safety and about how do we include everyone. And it's it's slightly superficial, which is really hard to receive. Mm-hmm. But the question yeah. then is, so how do you really create this? And I know for me, because I'm often in spaces where I'm the only Muslim um, or the only non-Christian, the only um, person of colour, perhaps mm-hmm. even the only woman. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm cool, right? Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, is that, uh, and even then, sometimes my buttons get pushed. Yes. And I have to work through that. But I can because I have the tools in my toolbox because I've done this stuff before. So mm-hmm. my question was, how do I help others cultivate belonging and understanding? Yes. Because when I do that, actually, what that's doing is creating even more for me. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And that's what, how I got to this work. You know? And there is, I just wanted to make a quick note of that. Because I think the power of your work around belonging and understanding and connection and connecting it even to what we're talking about now in terms of, you know, positive psychology, um, project management. I believe in your show, excuse me, this podcast, actually, it's what resonates with me so powerfully. Again, as I said, it's about putting tools, right now tools, accessible tools in people's hands. So it's a shift in awareness. And what I'm hearing you say that is so powerful to me is, how can I put in the hands of folks who hear or read uh, my work, how can I put in their hands some tools that help them, you said, cultivate belonging right within themselves? And that's the key that I think is for this moment that we're in, that's what's so powerful. And if we have um, a critical mass of people kind of, tending to that work internally, then I think we have an opportunity here where we can do something truly magnificent for humanity. The school 
that I graduated from uh, with my doctorate, Horace Mann founded the institution Antioch University, and he had a, a quote, be ashamed to die until you have won some victory for humanity. And I think there is something about that that is so powerful and resonant um, with my spirit about, hey, this is what we're here for. You know, how and what can I do to win some victory for humanity? Mm. And what's interesting about this, and what a wonderful quote, but what's interesting about what you just shared is that I we can make it sound really fancy and complicated, right? Because to some of the listeners, they're going to be thinking, oh, you know, it's all right for Dr. Nicole and soon to be Dr. Sayeda because they've got all of their high and mighty degrees and blah and all of this other stuff. But the point is, is that that's one side of things. For me, I really want to be able to make it so that people can belong and understand when they go to the coffee shop, when they go to the supermarket, when they leave their door. Because one of the gifts that you bring into um, rooms when you're facilitating is, and it's just going to sound so simple and trivial, but actually it's really significant because I see the way that the energy shifts in the room, right? And it's kind of like, when you say people's names, when you call them out, when you say, mm -hmm. oh, you know, you, you notice something in their background, that's the stuff of magic. Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Yes. And everyone and anyone can do that because when you do that and when you connect with someone, you're actually bringing, hold on, by helping someone else to belong. Yes. You do that for yourself too. And I think that is the significant thing here, right? Whoops, that's exactly right. And that's why building those, those kinds of, or creating, I'd say, those kinds of openings for folks to kind of recognize, hey, this is what not only is at stake, but this is, this is what I have access to. So in extending the invitation for belonging, it not only impacts me, but it, it's like it impacts the other, but it also impacts me. So it creates this recycle right in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very conscious of time. I have a long list of questions and I have not asked you any one. <laughs> so so that I'm means I have to come back. I get to come back, right? 100%. I hope you will. I really do. Because I think there's just so much to unpack in some of those questions in terms of what inspires you and, um, you know, unwrapping the pandemic, learning a little bit about how you structure your day, all of those things. Yes. I have a couple of questions that I would like to ask very quickly. And okay. the first one is what are you reading, listening and watching right now? You know, it's interesting what I am reading. I'm doing a lot of... Um, stuff with uh, Jim Quick, yeah, uh, Limitless. Um, so I'm doing a lot. I'm really focusing in a lot on the brain. Mm. It helps us unlock those really just some of those superpowers, literally, of the brain. And so that's been, uh, that's kind of my recent fascination. And then really studying some of uh, Jim Quick's work just so that I can read faster and acquire and do those downloads, you know, acquire more knowledge faster. So that's really what I'm working on. And then the other thing that 
I'm working on quite a bit is diversity, equity, and inclusion, anti-racism, um, belonging, and understand, you know, connection, psychological safety. What is it that allows us, going back to the brain, to be able to step out of that fight, flight, freeze, the amygdala mm -hmm. hijack? And what allows us to move up through the limbic system of belonging and trust and then get up into that truly purposeful place of creation and co-creating? Mm -hmm. That's where we get into the, you know, we call it executive functioning, but I really believe that's where we, where we get into the seat of the divine within our own humanity. But we do have to be able to move through those other elements of our layers of protection. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got any resources or anything that you can direct us to for where um, the listeners, and certainly I'm fascinated about this stuff, where we can just kind of find out a little bit more, I can put that all in the show notes. Um, I will definitely share those. Thank you. And then finally, what advice do you have for me? In closing, I would say the one thing that I would say is exactly what you shared, which is to stay curious. Stay curious, but I would also add another C, compassionate. Mm -hmm. As you're looking within yourself, as we started identifying those things that are just you, stay curious, but also stay humble, not as in like you're, you're too afraid, but like humble, just really a reverence for yourself, a real reverence mm -hmm. for yourself. That's what I would share. I love that. I've, I've, I've always used that word for other people. I've never used it for myself. So I like the way that you've expressed that. So thank you so much, Dr. Nicole. Now, people will have heard your gifts and they're going to be thinking, how do I get in touch with Dr. Nicole Bossard? So what is the best way? People can find me. The best way to find me at this point is on Facebook. Just go to TGC Positivity, all one word. Uh, that will be the best place to find me. You can also follow me on uh, LinkedIn. And I have a presence there. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, it's offline now where I do some revamping. I have a show called uh, Practicing Positivity. So if you go to YouTube, you can also subscribe there uh, where I have a live stream uh, that I'll be bringing back online later this year and talking a lot about leadership, life, and those things that allow us to do very much the things that we're talking about today. How do we create openings for connection, authenticity, authenticity, and where we can truly make miracles happen in collaboration. Thank you so much, Dr. Nicole. And I'll include all the links to these in the show notes. This has just been such a gift. I mean, I, I said at the beginning, every conversation with you is, and there's so much that I gain and learn from it. And I just did that today. So I appreciate you. I honor you. And I, and I thank you for your generosity with your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much soon to be Dr. Z. This was a pleasure. And I look forward to reconnecting again so that we can complete the conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Z. If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.